Hello, and thank you for being patient with me this morning as I come to you via a video recording. Kate and I have been in quarantine, and we just thought it would be best if we stayed home this week. But I still wanted to get an opportunity to share because this series that we're in, 21 Days of Fasting, is so vitally important. One of the things that has happened during this quarantine that is a little bit unfortunate, as you can see, I almost have like Einstein hair. I was going to get my hair cut and then we went into quarantine and now it's the longest I've ever, I've ever had it in my entire life. So uh, I hope you'll forgive me while I, I wear a hat this morning while I preach. So um, I wanted to start with, with a little story because some of you may be wondering, why should I pray and fast? Well, why is that important in my life? Several years ago, Kate and I had someone that graciously gave us two standby tickets to fly anywhere in the continental United States, including Alaska and Hawaii. And it was last minute and we had to use them last minute. So Kate and I didn't really have time to save up for this vacation. So we began to look into, of, of course, where we could go in the northernmost parts of Alaska, because that would be such a great place. No, we're trying to get to Hawaii, right? So um, we we were trying to figure that out and just looking at hotels and different places. And it, it was becoming apparent that without having saved for a little while and been able to to kind of get the funds together, that we probably weren't going to be able to go. And, and, and we were okay with that, but maybe we'd go somewhere else and kind of on a last ditch effort. Um, one night I opened, opened the computer and just said, Lord, if, if this is for us, you know, uh, open something up and literally something popped up on my screen and it was for the Sheraton resort in Kauai and the Sheraton resort was under construction. So they said, Hey, we, we want you to know we're under construction. There's going to be tractors rolling around everywhere. And, but because of that, we're willing to give you a, a pretty sweet deal. If you come for five days, we'll give you four nights at half off. We'll give you the fifth night for free. We'll give each of you a $50 voucher for any of our restaurants at the resort every single day. We'll bring you lunch on the beach and, uh, you know, we'll just, we'll just take care of you. And so Kate and I did the math and we were like, wow, that's so inexpensive now we can actually go. And so we booked the trip and we went, we decided, you know, obviously we're not renting a car. We're not going on any excursions. We're not doing anything just for five days. We're literally just sitting on a chair on the beach. And let me tell you, it was the best vacation we've ever had. Best one we've ever had. Best time Kate and I have ever had just in our relationship, just sitting there on chairs, reading books, taking walks together, holding hands, being together, just working on our relationship. I mean, it was the best thing. And we didn't realize it at the time, but that vacation ended up being so relaxing and so revitalizing and so helpful in, in our relationship and in, the, and in our soul personally, it ended up just being the coolest thing ever. And we needed it right in that moment, right at that time. Those, two, those individuals that gave us those tickets probably don't even uh, realize how important that was for us in that moment, but the Holy Spirit did. And so he took care of everything for us. That's what prayer and fasting is like. Prayer and fasting is like this moment where we set aside time to just be with the Lord. 
it, it relaxes our relationship with God. It, it helps us learn to worship the Lord in intimate ways and, and just worship him for who he is. And it allows the Holy Spirit to do needed work in our soul. And that's what prayer and fasting is. And that's why we're spending the next 21 days, and now we're a little bit less, but that's why we wanted to encourage each of you to fast and pray for 21 days. And while we've been doing this, we're focusing on three things. We're focusing on up, in, and out. We're focusing upward on God. We're focusing inward on our own lives. And we're going to focus outward on those around us. The prayer and the fasting is going to help us concentrate on that. Now today, I'm going to talk about how prayer and fasting helps us look in. Helps us look at ourselves. Helps us look inward. And helps us develop and change and work on some things that, that I need to work on, that each of us needs to work on in our heart and in our mind. See, prayer and fasting helps us look in. I don't know about you, but I'm a work in progress. I am. I'm a work in progress. I'm human. I fail. I sin. I'm broken. I'm not perfect. I need the Holy Spirit's help in my life every single day to be like Jesus and honor him with my life. And you're probably just like me. So I need to work on me. I need to work on the inside. This is why we encourage all of us to take this fast and to do this prayer. Because the moments of prayer and fasting are helping us look in. They help us surrender our hearts and our lives to the healing work of the Holy Spirit that we all need. Now, last week, Pastor Cooper gave us a great definition of fasting. I want to share it with you again. It means the denial of a normal function for the sake of intense spiritual activity. Now, I hope that you've picked something. I hope that you've picked a normal function of your life and you're choosing to put that aside, to put that distraction aside for a while, for 21 days, to just focus on what Jesus has for you. Well, this morning, I want to look at a moment in Jesus' life when he prayed and fasted. He was preparing himself for the years ahead, and he, he just got away for 40 days and 40 nights in the desert, fasting and praying with his heavenly Father, and this was a profound moment for him. And we get to see in Matthew chapter 4 what, what the results are of that time, of that moment, as Jesus is tempted three times by the devil, by the enemy of his soul and of our soul as well. And so look at it with me. It's Matthew chapter 4. We're going to jump right in. And, and I want to read this text. And, and then I want to point out some things that help us as we learn about prayer and fasting and the results and the help that it brings in our lives. So let's pray and jump into God's word. Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for an opportunity to be together. Thank you for your word that is so helpful in our lives. And I pray that as we look at this moment in your life and how you modeled prayer and fasting for us, I pray that we would learn some really, really good things that can help our life right now today in 2022. Thanks, Jesus. Amen. All right, Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, 
If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. What a cool moment in Jesus' life. And I want us to learn a couple things as well, because Jesus just does such a great job of using God's word to defend himself, but also just get to see some really cool moments. So what we see here, Jesus spent 40 days in the desert. He's praying, he's fasting. After the end of the 40 days, Satan comes to tempt Jesus, thinking that this might be an opportune time because Jesus is is in a moment of weakness. But what we really see is Jesus has gained, gained strength by prayer and fasting. He's not weak, he's stronger. Now his body's going through some stuff and his body is probably hungry. But he's stronger spiritually, and he's able to defend himself. Now, I want us to look at a couple things we can learn from this time of Jesus' prayer and fasting. Some of them are linked to the temptations Jesus went through, and then one more that's not really linked to them, but is really important for us this morning as well. So the first thing I think we can learn is to tell your body no. Tell your body no. Now, here's an interesting thing. Right there, we have one of the really obvious things in scripture. It says that Jesus fasted for 40 40 days and 40 nights and he was hungry. Duh. (laughs) Like here's one of those cool, obvious things in scripture, but he was hungry. In other words, his body is saying, you need some food now. You need some food fast. I'm starving to death. 40 days is a long time and I need something to eat. But here's what's interesting. Jesus tells his body, no. Jesus tells his body, the urges, the desires, the wants of his body. He tells them, no. He says, obeying the Lord is more important than what my body wants, than what my flesh wants. Now, here's, here's, what the, here's what Satan says to Jesus and how he tempts him this first time. He says, if you are the son of God, tell the stones to become bread. Now, here's this moment. If you are the son of God, it's like an identity check. If you really are who you say you are, then you can just do a miracle and turn those stones to bread and no problem. See, Satan is questioning Jesus' identity. He's trying to manipulate Jesus when he's in a challenging situation. He's trying to get Jesus to fail when his physical body is telling him, you need some food. But Jesus says, I know who I am. I know I'm the son of God. I'm, but I'm also someone who obeys God's word. 
and I'm going to tell my body no, and I'm going to obey God's word. Now, let's look at just for a minute why this is important for Jesus. Later in Jesus' life, he's in a similar situation, only a thousand times worse, and he's tempted again. It was when he was on the cross. He's now hanging on the cross, probably hours away from death, and his body is screaming at him now. He's been flogged, he's been beaten, he's been spit on, he's been tortured, he's been kicked, he's been punched. His body is screaming at him in pain. And what do the chief priests yell at Jesus from the cross while he's on the cross? Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. Another moment, Jesus, if you're the Son of God, come down from there. Yeah, prove it, really, show us. And I'm positive every fiber in Jesus' body was screaming at him in pain to come down off that cross. And Jesus told his body, no, no, you're not in control. Body, you're not in control. My flesh, you're not in control. I'm obeying the will of God for my life right now by dying on this cross for all of mankind. Now, here's what I want us to see for us today. The same thing happens in our life. Satan comes and he tempts us with so many things. And we have to be able to tell our body, no, no. And fasting helps us do that. We get to tell our body no, and we get to say, I'm going to obey God's word. I'm going to obey the voice of the Holy Spirit. So when we fast and we tell our body no to food, maybe you're going to do a food fast and you say no to food for an extended amount of time, your body's going to go through some struggle there. And you're going to have to tell your body no over and over again. Maybe you're going to do a social media fast and you're going to have to tell your eyes and your mind and your thinking and your body no to pick up your phone and look at Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or whatever. You're literally going to have to tell your body and your brain all the time, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not looking at that for the next 21 days. No. Or maybe it's sweets and you're saying, I'm not doing cookies. I'm not doing cakes. I'm not doing anything sweet in our country, in our culture where it's everywhere around us. You're going to have to say no a lot. And you're going to have to tell your body, sugar's not the big thing in me right now. I'm saying no to my body. And so what you're doing is you're just like Jesus did. You're telling your body, you're not in control. My desires, my urges, my flesh, my body, you're not in control. The Holy Spirit is in control of me. The Holy Spirit controls my heart and my body and my decisions and my mind and my thinking. And I'm letting the Holy Spirit do that. So during a fast, we're training our heart, our mind, and our body that we are going to obey God's word. We're going to obey the Holy Spirit because all around us, the world is telling us to engage in things that God tells us no to. And fasting helps us with that. Do you have the ability to tell your body no? Because everywhere around us, it's happening, isn't it? I mean, our, our world right now is very sexual. Do you have the ability to tell your body no in sexual ways that God says, I don't want that for you. I, I, I want purity for you. I don't want you to be involved in that sexual lifestyle. I don't want you to think about that sexually in that way. 
I have a different mindset for you. I have a different way that I want you to live. I have different decisions I want you to make before marriage. I have decisions I want you to make during marriage. uh, There's things I want you to watch on TV. There's things I don't want you to watch. There's times I want you to turn stuff off because of the sexual content. Do I have the ability to tell my body no? Do I have the ability to tell my body no when it comes to the temptation of financial obligations in our culture, that the marketing that is just coming at us all day long, that you deserve this, you deserve that. And God says, no, I've got a financial plan for your life. I've got financial goals for your life. I I want you to give to the kingdom, not to a new car, uh, whatever it might be. And and the Lord is saying, "Uh, I have plans for you in your finances, in your realm, in the financial realm for your life. And do you have the ability to tell your body No, I'm not going to get that new tech gadget. I'm not going to get that new thing that I want. One of the biggest challenges with our body is our tongue, our words. Man, our world is like crazy with our words. The gossip and the cussing and using God's name in vain and the slander, the inappropriate sexual conversation, the the coarse joking. Man, It's kind of out of control. As Christians, we need to lead the way in this. Do, do we have the ability? Do you have the ability to say no with your words? I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that negative thing. I'm not going to say that sarcastic thing. I'm not going to say that mean word. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm going to watch what I say because I want to honor Jesus with my words. See, fasting and praying helps us say no to our body, say no to the world around us, and develop the character God wants us to have as Jesus followers. We see that in Jesus' life. He modeled it for us, and we need to do the same today. Second, prayer and fasting strengthens our trust in God. In the next two temptations, the devil is going to transport Jesus to a new location. Now, whether this is literal or visionary, We don't know, but that's not really the point of the temptation. Because the point is that the devil does this all the time. He tries to transport us, either mentally or physically, or spiritually sometimes. He tries to transport us to a different reality in an attempt to get us to fall or fail or sin. That's what he does. That's what he's doing with Jesus right here. Whether it's physical or literal, doesn't matter. He's trying to transport Jesus to an alternate reality in an attempt to get him to do something ungodly. This is what he wanted Jesus to do. He wanted Jesus to believe his lies. He wanted Jesus to throw himself from the top of the temple in the hopes that angels would save him according to an Old Testament verse. But even the devil knew that God wouldn't save Jesus because God's not into cheap tricks. He's not into cheap tricks just because we think we get to test him. That's not what God does. And so notice that even the devil will quote the Bible or better said, manipulate the Bible to get us to sin. So just because you hear a Bible verse quoted doesn't mean it's being used correctly doesn't mean the user has the correct heart behind it. And so you and I, this is another good reason for prayer and fasting and being in the word is we, we get, we get the theological 
truth of God's word in us. And we know when we see something that, hear something that's a lie and when it's not, and that's immediately what Jesus could do. Jesus could immediately notice that when Satan was quoting this verse, he was using it improperly. And he could say, no, no. It's also written not to put the Lord your God to the test. And so Jesus was able to use the word correctly in a correct way coming back. Now, Jesus reminds us in his answer that it's not right to test God. Jesus is portraying to us that testing God and trusting God are very different. We're called to trust in God in every single situation of our life. We're called to say, God, I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. I'm going to let you make my path straight. I'm going to rely on you. I'm going to put all my eggs are in your basket. I'm all in on this. And so Jesus, I'm trusting you. I'm giving my life to you. See, when we test God, what we're really saying is I don't trust you. That's why we have to test God or test a relationship is because we, we, we actually don't trust the relationship. But God says that that's not where he wants us to be. God doesn't have to be tested. In fact, God doesn't have to prove himself to us. We have to prove ourselves to him. We're the ones that are always failing. We're the ones that are inconsistent. We're the ones that have to prove ourselves to him. He shouldn't have to prove himself to us. It's also interesting, this idea of of testing God. See, when we as humans justify the thought of testing God, we're really saying, I'm smarter, I'm wiser, I'm better, I'm stronger. I know more than you do, God. And so I need to to test you because I really know what I'm talking about and what I'm doing. And I'm, I'm I'm really cool. And testing God requires what I would call an out-of-balance arrogance. It requires an out-of-balance arrogance that can obviously be kind of dangerous. Let me ask you a question. Do you listen to your four-year-old when he says, Dad, if you really love me, you'll let me stay up all night, eat ice cream, and watch scary movies? No. No, you don't even listen. Like, that's not even, no. You, you don't get to test me that way. And I don't think, I don't think God appreciates the arrogance and attitude that we approach him with either. That just because we're adults, we feel like we can be arrogant and that, that the, that the clay can say to the potter, I'm just going to test you because, because I think I'm smarter than you. I think I'm wiser than you. Now here's what's interesting. Prayer and fasting. I believe it breaks that cycle of arrogance in us. It breaks the narcissism that's in us. It breaks the the sinful nature that's just resident in our heart and mind and soul. And it strengthens our trust in God. See, as we pray, we draw closer and closer to the heart of God. And our trust in him grows and gets stronger. When we fast, it requires a surrender to God. We have to surrender a lot of stuff to the Lord when we fast. And when we surrender things to God, it makes it easier to trust him in every situation. So trust begins to grow, begins to flourish because trust 
happens in close relationships. And that's exactly what God wants with us. He wants a close relationship with us. And so trust is what happens in close relationship. Testing doesn't happen in close relationship. Testing happens when you feel like the relationship's falling apart. And I need to test you because you're not doing the right thing in the relationship. I don't trust you at all. So we're called to trust God, not test him. We're called to go deeper in relationship with him. And that's what Jesus modeled here. When the enemy of our soul calls us to do inappropriate things, it's an opportunity for you and I to trust the Lord with all of our heart. See, I don't have to test God because I trust God. Third, prayer and fasting helps us focus our life on worshiping the Lord. Helps us focus our life on worshiping the Lord. Did you know that as humans, we are designed to worship? It's true. There's, God has put something in us we are designed to worship. In fact, you are worshiping something right now. I hope you're worshiping Jesus, but I guarantee you something is number one in your life. And that something is something you worship. Now in America, we're also really good at worshiping multiple things at the same time. And Jesus' time of prayer and fasting helped him focus his life on the most important thing worshiping the Lord and serving him only. And the same thing happens for you and I. When you and I say, hey, I'm going to designate this time in my life to pray and fast. It's going to focus my life on the most important thing, worshiping the Lord and serving him only. It, it, as we deny normal function and as we deny distractions in the world around us, we begin to focus on the Lord like we should. And we begin to make decisions with our life and our attitude and our character and all of the, the aspects of our life. And we begin to say, I'm, I'm, putting, I'm putting all of my life towards Christ, to live in Christ. Now look at the devil's third temptation. It was to take Jesus to a real high mountain and to show Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and then tempt Jesus to worship him. So if Jesus would worship him, then he would give Jesus all the kingdoms of the earth. All the authority would be his. <laughs> Here's what's interesting. The devil is trying to offer Jesus something that he's going to get shortly after he's on the cross. Satan's offering Jesus something that Jesus already knows he's going to receive that is in some respects, already his anyway, but is going to be fully affirmed and fully his after the cross and the resurrection. The devil does that often. This is what he does all the time. He's been doing this in, in our lives and in mankind from the beginning. He shows humanity something, then he perverts it in the hope that mankind will worship the perversion instead of enjoying the real thing that God's going to give us later. That's what God did in Jesus' life, and it's what he does in our life. Remember after Jesus' resurrection, he told his disciples in Matthew 28, 19, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. 
Therefore, go and make disciples to the ends of the earth. So Satan's offering something to Jesus that he's already going to receive. And that's exactly what Satan does to us too. He, he shows us the whole world. And what's challenging about life today, all of the, the evil of the world, all of the, many of the things that God does not want us to be involved in and, and our, our lives to be caught up in, they're all right out in the open now. That's what's interesting about being alive today. The things, the evil of the world and the things that the enemy wants for our lives, they're right out in the open. You can get them anywhere, on TV, in a movie, in your hand, on your phone. You can find them all around you and people's lives. It's just everywhere. The, the, the aspect of the world and the ungodliness of the world is just wide out in the open, everywhere around us. And so it's as if the enemy is saying, just like he said to Jesus, hey, look, here's all of the things of the world that you would love to be enticed by, that you would love to be involved in. If, you, if you'll live out these things in your life, if you'll just bow down to these things and worship me instead of the Lord, Jesus comes along and says, no, that's not what I'm doing. I'm not worshiping you. I worship the Lord and I serve him only. And that's what you and I are called to do as well. Now, Jesus gives us two ways to respond to the temptations that the world and the devil will throw at us through our lifetime. Look at them with me there, there in verse 10, if you're following along. The first thing that Jesus says is a response to a temptation is to rebuke the enemy. Just rebuke him. In verse 10, Jesus starts by saying this, away from me, Satan. Just get away from me. You got no right to be here in my life, pestering me with these temptations. Get out of here. Did you know that you have the authority as a child of God to rebuke Satan and command him to leave you alone? You do. You have that authority as a son or a daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That authority is yours. In 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, Peter said, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Resist him. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Resist him. You and I have the authority of Jesus Christ living inside of us. And we have the ability to resist the devil and say, get out of here. What are you talking about? I'm not listening to your lies. Move on. Find someone else to rattle today. It's not me. I know who I am in Christ. I'm a son or a daughter of the king. You can't talk to me like that. Get out of here. Resist him. And second, Jesus said, Respond to temptations by worshiping the Lord your God and serving him only. Make a commitment to say, my life is all about worshiping the Lord and serving him. That means that Jesus is number one in your life. It means you wake up in the morning wanting to live for Jesus today. It means in everything you do, you want to honor the Lord the way you love your wife, the way you interact with your kids, the way you live and work hard where you're employed, all the aspects of your life and your day are submitted to Jesus, 
because he is your savior. He's your best friend and you want to worship and serve him only. This is what Jesus said to, to deal with the temptation in our life. And to, it, it, the way that we deal with that is to just say, Satan, get out of here. Get away from me. I serve the Lord God and I worship him only. Now, fasting and prayer, it reminds us of these things. It, it empowers us in these ways and it helps us focus on Jesus Christ. And we need to focus on worshiping the Lord because the enemy of our soul is showing us everything in the world and asking us to bow down and worship him instead of Jesus. And we're called to rebuke him, resist him, and to worship the Lord and serve him only. The last way that prayer and fasting helps us work on the inside is that prayer and fasting stimulates change and healing. Now, this one is not connected to any of the temptations that you see in Matthew 4. In fact, you won't find this in the text at all because Jesus didn't need to change anything in his life. He, he didn't need healing in any areas of his life because he was sinless. And he didn't have things in his life that he was uh, broken in and needed healing for. But we do. And so this last part is that when you and I talk about doing prayer and fasting to work on the inside of us, we need that. We need to stimulate change and healing inside of us because we need it. We need forgiveness and healing, restoration and the transformation of our mind. And prayer and fasting helps us look to God to heal what's wrong inside inside our hearts, inside our thinking and our minds, and the deep pain that can often linger in our soul. Those closet doors that we keep closed that we don't want to let anyone into, even God. When we pray and fast, we begin to crack open that closet. And then at some point, hopefully during your prayer and fasting, you'll throw that door wide open and say, Jesus, come on in. Heal everything. Change what you want to change because I want to love you. I want to serve you. And so would you come in and just do a great work in me? I give you all of myself. There's two great questions to ask while you're, while you're praying and fasting. The first one is, what do I need to change to honor you more? What do I need to change to honor you more. See, none of us are perfect. So there's something we can change. There's something going on in my life, just like there's something going on in your life that I can change to honor Jesus more in my life, to honor the work of the Holy Spirit that he's wanting to do every single day in me. And so I ask this question when I'm praying and fasting, and I hope you will too. What do I need to change to honor you more? There might be a habit you have that Jesus just says, hey, I want you to drop that habit. There might be something that you say on a regular occasion and the Lord just wants to say, hey, I, don't, I don't want you to say that anymore. There might be a way you're treating someone. It might be your wife or your kids or a friend or a family member. And Jesus says, hey, I, I need you to change this to be more like me. And the Lord will work on that while we pray and fast. The second question I think is good to ask is, where do I need healing that I'm ignoring? 
Where do I need healing that I'm ignoring? You know, sometimes we, we close that closet door and we think that it's easier to ignore that pain than it is to deal with that pain. Because every time we think about that moment or we think about that brokenness or we think about that sin, it brings up more pain. And that's true. That's real. But here's what God wants to do. Here's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants to put us into a situation where we're spending time in his presence while we pray and fast. And he gets an opportunity to heal in a very, very deep way. See, Jesus died on the cross to set us free, to bring healing to every hurt, every pain, every sin, every moment of difficulty in our life. Jesus wants to heal it. He wants to heal it. He wants to end it. He wants it to not be a part of your life that consumes you anymore or, or is a deep-rooted pain in you. He wants it to be gone. And when you and I, in our times of prayer and fasting, bring our pain to Jesus, He gives us joy. He gives us peace and hope. He gives us the things that we need to just continue living and continue doing life. And, but that requires you and I getting into those moments of prayer, those moments in the Holy Spirit's presence. It requires denying something to allow a deep spiritual work to take place in our life. And I, and I hope you're doing that right now, and I hope you'll do it in the future. See, when we pray and fast, we get to give our struggles to Jesus and we just let just let him heal us from the inside out. There's a lot of important and good things here in Matthew chapter 4. And Jesus modeled four really great reasons why you and I are called to pray and fast. And we started our prayer and our fasting on Monday. I hope you joined us. I hope you started. I hope you decided Here's what I'm going to deny for Jesus. And you're telling your body no somehow in the hopes that you're learning to grow in Christ. But maybe, maybe you haven't started yet. I want to encourage you. Would you start today? This is super important in our lives. And I believe that these 21 days can radically change who you are in Jesus. It can completely change your relationship with Jesus as you choose to intentionally Take some time to just let the Holy Spirit do a powerful work in your life. As you pray, as you fast, as you spend time in God's Word, as you talk to other believers about what's happening and how you're growing and changing, these are extremely important times. And I believe the day in which you and I live requires Christians that are intentionally following Jesus in these ways. And we're making choices to make Jesus number one in our life. And this 21 days allows us to do that. In fact, I, I think this is so important that these 21 days can actually prepare you for your entire year. Your entire year could change as a result of the foundation and as a result of the work that you put in during this time of prayer and fasting. And so I want to really encourage you to do it. Uh, if you need a journal to help you uh, with your prayer and fasting, those are available out in the commons. I just want to encourage you, jump on board with us and, 
and find a way to make Jesus number one in your life. Well, will you pray with me this morning? Jesus, we thank you so much for who you are, what you've done in our life, how you modeled prayer and fasting for us today in Matthew chapter 4. We believe that you have called us to this same type of living. You've called us to prayer and fast too. You've called us to set aside normal things in our life, to say no to them for a season of our life, to say yes to you to say yes to your word, to say yes to worshiping you and serving you only, to saying yes to our relationship with you and helping it grow. Lord, I pray that you would help each of us as we pray and as we fast. Would you help us in this time? Help us to see what we need to change. Help us to see what needs healing. Maybe there's some things we've just been ignoring and and we haven't been listening to you. And this would be that opportunity for us to hear you speak to us, encourage us, love on us, and change us. Lord, we give you thanks and praise for everything you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks. Wish I could have been there in person with you today, but thanks for being with us digitally. Always remember, Jesus loves you very much. So do Kate and I. Have a great week.